This is I Doubt It with Dollamore, with hosts Jesse Dollamore and Brittany Page, a podcast dedicated to free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. All right, episode 91 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, quietly sitting around my work area. Loudly sitting around her work area is my lovely co-host, Brittany Page. Okay, I'm sorry, but the thing that happened is I realized my phone wasn't on silence, and so would you rather have my phone beep beeping or the sound of me getting my phone quietly, but maybe it won't be heard? Well, it's probably going to be dropped at the end of the show. <laughs> All right, that's enough out of you. Very loud. You, The microphones are designed... Let me kind of explain. No, they don't pick up sound. <laughs> That's not what they do. I know where you're going with that. I'm not a dum-dum. Right. All right. God damn. Come on. What are you doing? I am coming on. I'm here. I'm ready to go. Here Banging we are. Banging around. No, it's good. You're like a bull in a china shop I'm over a there. professional. What is happening? Anyway, welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'll drop the phone number right away. For those of you who would like to sound off about anything that you hear us talk about this episode, 657-464-7609. If you are voicemail averse, you could always record yourself on your smartphone and email it to idoubtitwithdollamore.com. Speaking of idoubtitwithdollamore.com, we got a very nice, I always like getting emails from listeners. And speaking of that, we're going to get to your email, Alexander, from Denmark. I'm just, we're inundated with all kinds of good shit to talk about, and I haven't had the time to really formulate some kind of a coherent <laughs> response to your lovely, well-articulated thoughts. So, without further ado, though, we got an email today that really didn't have anything I needed to respond to from... From North, uh, I almost said North Africa. Gavin is definitely not from North Africa. He is from North Ireland. He wrote and said, hi, Jesse and Brittany. Show is awesome, folks. Just wanted to say hi and that I really enjoy listening to it on my daily commute to and from work. It's nice to hear a variety of life issues discussed openly and freely in an upbeat, positive way. I'm going to start from podcast number one and catch up on the good times. I'm just going to pause for a second because... Ooh, be careful with that because <laughs> the show has come a long way since number one. Yeah, it has. And also, also, well, go ahead and finish. Okay, says, anyways, best wishes for all future casts all the way from a small village in the north of Ireland called Carnmoney. Carnmoney. Yeah, I'm, so, I, I can't say things correctly. Kindest regards, Gavin. So he, here's a couple things. One, I'm very pleased that he does per perceive us as positive. Right, because we've had some criticisms about that. I, we've talked about it on the show before that I I often am worried that we that I especially come across as very, you know, everything's negative and bitch, bitch, bitch. I'm bitching about stuff all the time, and I'm glad that that's not the case. I thought you were calling yourself a bitch, bitch, bitch. Hmm. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> not me, anyway. Uh... <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. Right. So so anyway, so that's positive. Um, the other thing is, it's just nice to hear from, from listeners and from listeners in Europe. I, I don't know how, <laughs> and I'm not complaining, but I don't know how we have developed such a loyal, large following of listeners in or out of the United States. Yeah. We, we've got a lot of listeners in Brazil, and then we've... Obviously, got our Northern European contingency, right? And it's uh, it's solid. It makes me feel good. So it's, yeah, and it's, it's interesting to see where technology can reach. Yeah, technology does reach. That's correct. <laughs> let's let's stop this. I don't want this to be the whole show. 
I know. I uh, feel like you're this, essing on me a this, lot. This adversarial tone back and forth. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not good at this. I don't think it would make for uh I mean, it would be super fun for me, but the audience already hates me enough. <laughs> Am I getting I mean? stressed out by it? <laughs> <laughs> well, that leads me to... Um, what I want to talk about starting out, and it was happened to do with your Yelp review that we were recently talking to some folks about. Mm-hmm. Um, Brittany, she wrote it. There, there's obviously, uh, I think everybody knows about Yelp, Yelp.com. It's, a, it's a, a, a review website where you can review businesses, restaurants, doctors, dentists. And Brittany went to get her lady business waxed mm-hmm. at a waxing <laughs> business. Yep. And things didn't go as well as she had hoped. Mm-mm. So she, she, I'm not going to read the whole review. I'm just going to read the part that I find very funny. But what happened is after she wrote this bad review for this place, the owner wrote Brittany or commented on her review and said, please take this review down. Um, come back. I'll I'll do your a free waxing or whatever. Anyway, I want to read the portion and we're going to talk about what Brittany should do in this particular case. Brittany says, among other things, she says this. This chick wasn't awful, but the more I reflect on the experience, the more awful I feel she was. I had to make conversation the whole time while she was answering with mostly one-word responses. I mean, it is her job to make me feel comfortable. She didn't. She's a stranger. We just met, and she's staring straight at my asshole, waxing it. <laughs> yep, fact. Yeah, you, you, you went right for the gusto. That's it's good. It's factual. You think we could at least have some casual conversation while that is going on. So, how about the weather, huh? <laughs> so, first of all, I got to say, thank God that I'm a dude. Right. Because I don't have to worry about any of that stuff. I think some guys do. I I I personally have hair where hair shouldn't grow, <laughs> and it's I'm okay with that. Just let it grow. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine having to go to a place, get up on all fours or whatever's going on, and have them apply hot wax and then rip the hair out by the roots. That's well, I I guess to put it mildly, not a good time. Yeah, it's not that bad, that part. Um, <laughs> wow. The part that's bad is when you go in and it's 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 awkward. I mean, they're asking you to literally like make a butterfly position with your legs. You're spread eagle for this person. And when they're not like at least trying to talk to you to keep your mind off it right, or right. anything, it's a very awkward situation. I mean, we're very intimate. Right. You know, there's bright lights in there. It's not a dark room where you're like fumbling around trying to look for things. It's a bright light right on the badge that's completely exposed. Right. And it's it's uncomfortable. Well, I don't listen. I don't even people with whom others are intimate staring directly at one's asshole is i don't think that's even a normal that's not even like couples i don't think are super confident and easy going about staring at the old balloon knot you know what i mean yeah it's just a puckered up butthole mm-hmm. it doesn't need it's it's meant to not be looked at that's why it's hidden away like that right i think when god designed us tongue in cheek here i think when god designed us he he meant for it to be, you know, that dirty little area that no one looks at. Right. So I wrote this review because it was it was a bad experience. There were other bad things that happened other than just not being talked to. There was like wax left on me and it looked like there was like a burn area at one point. I don't want I'm not permanently scarred. Don't worry. But <laughs> this was years ago. too. It was it just. It didn't, I guess it wasn't a burn now that I look back on it because I, I would have a scar or something. It was probably just wax that was colored and left, you know? Mm-hmm. But um, it was just, it wasn't good. And the owner. What do you mean? A, it sounds great. Right. <laughs> it's a very highly reviewed place. Right, right. And the owner has written me, I think, like three times now and wants me to come in for a makeup session. And I can't do that. Makeup meaning 
to to make up for the lost money in, in session, not to do your makeup. Right. Yeah. And I can't do that after mentioning my asshole in a review. Right. Well, I think that's the... It's embarrassing. <laughs> I can't go in there and be like, yeah, I'm the one who wrote that. <laughs> you've talked about the dirty little secret that no one talks about. You, you, yeah. You've, you've let the cat out of the bag, no pun intended, and... And going in there, I would be embarrassed. Well, because you have to, when you're in there, you have to act like you aren't thinking about the fact that someone is looking right at your vagina and your asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? You have to like oh. act like that's not happening. It's like when you're at the gynecologist, you just have to act like it's like, you know, no big deal, but really it's a big deal in your head, you <laughs> right, know? Right. And so when they're doing it too, I mean, I'm sure their job isn't glorious and and they're also it's awkward for them sometimes too and so they're also trying not to think about it and my review has just put everything at the forefront right so i don't feel like i can go in there and and i don't know if i should just delete my review because maybe it's like inappropriate to have it up but it has a lot of funny reviews or funny votes, and so I don't want to delete it because it's so many funny votes right well that's yelp has this thing where you can you can vote a review Funny, useful, and cool. And Brittany apparently takes a lot of pride when she gets funny votes. Because currently I have more funny votes on my my reviews than Brittany does. Shocking. Okay, I'm not known <laughs> for being funny. Okay. Well, listen, I very funny review. I love it. So here's what we want to do. We want to ask the, the audience to, to weigh in here. What should Brittany do? Should Brittany go and... Take advantage of the free service. And don't just say that because you want me to report really, on the review I here. I really do. <laughs> I almost want you to go in there with a the digital audio recorder <laughs> and and just like record the, the the experience so we can have it on the show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, sound off. 657-464-7609. Please sound off. Ladies who listen to the show, and I know there are many of you, don't think I'm talking to someone else. I am talking to you, lady, woman, young lady. Call in. Leave us a voicemail. Let us know what you think Brittany should do. Or at the very least, email us. Because we're going we're gonna to do something with this and figure out just how it should be dealt with. Also, I don't feel like asshole is a bad word. I don't think that you need to. Why would you need to say that? Well, I'm just I'm known for being the the I think you mean to say I think you mean to say I hope I'm known to be the good one. Yeah, I, I don't I'm not usually the one who uses vulgar language like you. Well, you're certainly the one who who gets the love from the audience. That's not me. You get love from the audience. Anyway, I get love when mentioned with you. No one ever writes in and says, oh, Jesse, you're doing such a good job. I just think you're so great. Your opinions are so profound. It's always Brittany. It's always Brittany is spot on. She's so great. We love her. She's so reasonable. She's so rational. And then they just, you know, pry my mouth open and collectively shit directly into my face. That's what happens. Yeah, well. So thanks, audience. I, I really <laughs> appreciate it. <laughs> All right. On, on to the show. With the release of the movie American Sniper, the Bradley Cooper movie, um, there has been a lot of press recently and a lot of activity on social media relative to people's very closely held emotional response and opinions about Chris Kyle, the the man the movie was based on, and the book that he wrote that the movie was based on. Michael Moore, the the human pothole, Michael Moore came out, and he said a bunch of uh, called him a coward, called snipers cowards, and you know Michael Moore is a a, a piece of shit. So it, it little. Little regard for that. We're not really here to talk about that. I, I really want to address the unfortunate thing that's happening because in my view, Brittany and I have talked about this, and it seems that people's p- uh, opinions of Chris Kyle, 
are lining up directly with their political affiliation. Right. So you have the conservatives that think he's a hero. And then you have the liberals who think he is a hate-filled murderer right. who should be convicted of war crimes. Right. Or, well, who should have been. Right. Well, here, here's the thing. We'll just we'll cut right to it. He doesn't have to be a superhero. You know, you don't have to affix the cape and the, the leotard to him just because he was a Navy SEAL and a sniper and just because he served his country. He, he can be, uh, there's a dichotomy that can be drawn. He, he can be both, you know, a, a troubled man who, who was mentally ravaged by the effects, the violent effects of war. Right. And that's kind of what the controversy is, because he is the most lethal sniper in American history. Right. And in his book, which was titled American Sniper, just like the movie, he apparently this has been reported in the media. I've not read the book and I've not been able to to speak with anyone that's read the book. Yet everyone feels so comfortable talking about what was written in the book, even though n nobody we know <laughs> right. has read it. Um, but apparently it's being reported that he talked about loving to kill really, you know, enjoying it and calling the Iraqi savages and saying that he wished he could have killed more of them. And, you know, he's very, it's what you say. They train you to be a killing machine. Right. And so he's just really exhibiting uh, his, his job duty, right. I guess, right. in his writings. But then there were also problematic things being reported. Like he shot at looters in new Orleans Things that Apparently are kind of iffy yeah. and a little, you know, people call him li a liar for those things. And right. also the Jesse Ventura thing. He had said that he beat up Jesse Ventura. Or at least punched him in a bar or something. Right. Yeah. And Jesse Ventura sued his estate since he couldn't sue Chris Kyle because Chris Kyle was murdered. and Or allegedly murdered. I, the guy's on trial now, I think. Right. And so, anyway, there's just this this very complicated thing that's happening surrounding the story sure and i think it's weird because he like you said he can just be a, a troubled guy who maybe said some things ooh, well, he that wrote, he likes to kill ooh, he, he wrote little... the he wrote the book very shortly after coming out of the theater out of war right so he for sure was not at the top of his game Mental health wise. Right. Because anybody who has a job like that, who has, I think, 104 confirmed kills, it's going to have an effect on you. Um, we got a, a little bit of audio here. Uh, a Time a time editor, Time magazine editor, sat down with Chris Kyle and asked him a few questions that I thought were poignant that I wanted to share. What goes through your mind when you're shooting a, a, a guy, usually a guy? The first time of killing someone, it you're not even sure you can do it. I mean, you think you can, but you never know until you're actually put in that position and you do it. And then you double-thinking yourself, like, can I really do this? And am I going to be okay? And then you're asking your leadership, am I clear it hot to be able to do this? Am I going to be in trouble? You know, this guy's really bad. And then you're worried, when you get home, are the politicians going to hang you out to dry and put you on trial for murder. The, the first kill that you write about in the book, you actually kill a woman, and she has in one hand uh, the hand of her toddler, and in the other hand she has a grenade. Was that the hardest of the kills you had to do? I had to do it to protect the Marines, so do you want to lose your own guys, or would you rather take one of them out? Do you have two sets of kind of heads in that you have your I'm back in America head and your I'm at war head? You're two different people. You turn it on and turn it off. You're a little more aggressive when you're at work and then when you come home you relax and try to be the different person and my wife always said that when I came home from work I'd take my cape off and put it on the door because I'd stub my toe or break my toe or something at home but at work I was fine. Does your wife still have to say your name before she gets back into bed? <laughs> it's not as bad, but that was even before I was in the military. I've always been extremely jumpy when I'm asleep. And the reason your wife has to say your name before she gets back into bed? I will come up swinging. 
So it <laughs> depends on how tired. If I'm out cold, then uh, you can ring the doorbell and I'll be asleep. I have to ask this question, but are there any kills you regret? No. Not at all. Because they, you feel like it was either you killed them or they killed other Americans. Yes, ma'am. I think a lot of that's telling. I also think, and I'm, obviously I'm not a mental health professional, but I think that the whole thing about him, oh, I'm going to come up swinging, that he's not sleeping well and he's so quick to to violence you know, or whatever, a paranoia or whatever, that would lead me to make a layman determination that there is likely, or at the very least possibly, some remnants of PTSD going on that he had he isn't really over the war well i mean it, i also am obviously not going to give well, someone a, a diagnosis but um it it would it would strikes me as problematic that yeah. that his wife has to remind him who she is where he is in order to make sure he's calm enough so that she can get back in bed and he won't you know, hit sure, her yeah. for fear of of just reacting, and and that seems like someone who's having a a reaction. It it's very it's interesting when they talk about they don't use the word compartmentalization, but he has to compartmentalize. He has to be someone different in the theater of war than he is at home, and this is a problem. This was a problem even for me when I got out of the military. Um, th- that I had to demilitarize myself i had to deal with with people in a different way i had to even phone conversations it took me years to even learn to say goodbye before i hung up the phone for a long time i just conversations over hang up the phone right weird little things like that i can't imagine being a sniper with with you know, nearing 200 or whatever the number is, 160, 104. I don't know. I don't know exactly what the number is, but 160, 160 confirmed kills as a sniper. And being a sniper is personal. It's different. It's not, it's not, um, a mortar round. It's not artillery. That's long range. You're looking at the whites of the person's eyes through the scope. You're seeing them and making the ter- determination within yourself to pull the trigger. It's you killing another person close up. Right. I mean, it's long range. I think they. I've heard him talk about uh, killing uh, his longest shot, like 2,100 yards. Mm-hmm. That's over a mile. I mean, there's... That's insane. Yeah. But so even though it's long range, it's still you're looking at the person through the scope. You're... It is up close and personal. And I don't think, I mean, listening to him talk about it, I don't think that he loses sight of that. And I think right. liberals are putting this label on him that, and, and I, I'm using liberals like I do, which yeah. I'm, I'm typically in that camp, but I'm very frustrated by, you know, my people as it were right now. <laughs> right. And they're putting this label on him like he's this hate filled killer when really, if you listen to him, his perspective is I'm trying to protect my group. Right. And this woman that he speaks of that had the grenade, it's either I shoot her or she's going to do something with that grenade that has the potential to kill several of my men. Right. And who's it going to be? Right. And it's unfortunate, but he is the one making that decision. And it's it's so easy for someone who's not in that situation to criticize it, you know, but he's actually out there doing that. Right. And if he wasn't, what would be going on? That's exactly right. You know, you say in your book, actually, that most, and I think I'm quoting him, most Americans can't handle the reality of war and the reports they they sent back, the reports being the journalists, didn't help us at all. Which actually sounds a lot like Jack Nicholson and A Few Good Men. Did you realize that? You can't handle the truth. (laughs) Terrible. Is that how you feel that Americans just can't? See, we should just, you're on Jack's side in this one. Yes, ma'am. You you do not think. For the most part, the public are very soft. You live in a dream world. You have no idea what goes on on the other side of the world, that the harsh realities that these people are doing to themselves and then to our guys. And there are certain things that need to be done to take care of them. Now, if people, but if people did start out with the impression before they had read your book that you were a, uh, that a person who had killed 
upwards of 150 other people, was a violent person. Um, maybe a bloodthirsty person. I'm, I'm not sure that the book would free them of that feeling. I really don't care what they think of me. I mean, I've got my family, I've got my friends, I'm not trying to make new friends. And the people who, if you actually spend time with me, you find out I'm just a fun-loving guy. Now, I, yes, I have been trained to be a little more aggressive if I need to be, but I don't go around thumping people. If you never got to kill another person again, would you be okay with that? I'm fine. I don't have to kill to live. But you were good at it. I was decent at it. What if killing people turns out to be the thing that you were better at than anything? Uh, no, that's not true. I'm a better husband and father than I was a killer. I mean, I've got a job now I'm pretty good at. I'm pretty comfortable with not having to kill anyone. Now, I don't, don't take deer hunting away from me. <laughs> Chris Carl, thanks so much. Thank you. I don't like that question. Are you going to be okay never killing someone again? Yeah, it's weird. It's not like he, he was uh, a serial killer. It, <laughs> he didn't have this, this compulsion to kill. Right. He had a duty. He was being paid. To protect other soldiers and Marines. I mean, and sailors. He's, he's a Navy SEAL, so... It was his job. Right. It, but it's not... He had legal authority to do what he was doing. It's war. A lot of people want to think we live in this sanitized dream world, this utopia. We don't. The world is a scary, scary place. Bad things happen. Twelve people will, were murdered in the offices of Charlie Hebdo for drawing goddamn cartoons. That's the kind of world in which we live. We're drawing a cartoon of a man who died 1,600 years ago will get you killed. Where just stepping foot in Syria or Iraq right now, I could have my head severed from my body, brutally murdered, only for being there and being American. That is the kind of world in which we live. We need... Men like Chris Kyle. We need men with his skill set. We need to continue to train men to do that job. You know, if, if you find yourself complaining or criticizing the Chris Kyles of the world, you should also take a step back and be thankful that you're able and in a position to criticize the likes of Chris Kyle. Because without the Chris Kyles of the world... Wars are not won. And whether you like it or not, wars, they're, they're a fact of life because there are bad people. And they must be waged. Right. And it doesn't mean that you need to praise him for killing so many people. I think it's weird to be extreme about that, too. Like, oh, he's so awesome. Yeah, yeah. Kill more people. Like, that's weird. Yeah, it's a bummer um, that anyone has to die. It just has to, you know, he, he did what he had to do. He is not a bad guy he you know it's just weird that people are making him out to be a bad guy because everything i read from his interviews every time i see him interviewed everything he says just seems to be very logically you know listen i don't want this person to plant another ied i don't right. want this person to ambush a convoy i don't want this person to do anything that's going to harm the people you know well there's no the only number we have is the number of confirmed kills. We have no idea the the carnage and devastation and death that 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 he prevented. Right. You know, when when he's looking uh, down the barrel or looking down the scope, and the crosshairs are on the head of a mother who's holding her grenade. You know, this is just my opinion because I don't know the man, but it doesn't strike me as a guy who relishes killing a woman it, it just doesn't seem to me to be a guy who is who's oh, yeah oh i got to kill her he doesn't seem that it seems more it was his duty he performed his duty and that's what it is well and also logically speaking bradley cooper sought out the rights to this movie after reading the book and it, it's hard for me to believe that bradley cooper would 
go and seek the rights to this movie that he thought was such an amazing story if he was reading a book about some guy who is obsessed with murdering people. Right. I, I just it, it logically that doesn't make sense in my head. Right. So yeah, I, I don't know. If it, you've let, read the book, though, let us know. Yeah, I mean, it, definitely let us know what your what your um, what your take on it was. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine, or I doubt it at dollamore dot com. So there's been a little bit more reporting about uh, did, it's a De Polpa. Uh, De Polpa, he ha- he made some comments about uh, related to birth control, but uh, apparently admonishing Catholics that they don't have to fuck like rabbits. That's that's a direct quote, isn't it? No. <laughs> no, it's not. During his recent travels in the Philippines, he said he met a mother who risked her life to bear seven children. Wow. Chiding her irresponsibility, he said the Catholic Church's prohibition on modern contraception does not mean large families are a must. Quote, some think... Excuse me if I use the word that in order to be good Catholics, we have to be like rabbits, but no. Rabbits do like to do it. So what I find unfortunate about this is, well, the Pope is the vicar of Christ. Right. He speaks for Jesus here on earth. That's right. If he were to say, um, you guys should be taking birth control. Right. Well, it would clear up the whole risking your life to have seven babies issue right away. Right, because well, so what he's advocating here is abstinence only. So people should be married and then only have sex when they're ready to have a baby. Or rhythm method, I've heard some priests say. Yeah, that's not going to work. doesn't work. So, I, I, watched, I seriously watched a priest on CNN talking about taking your temperature. <laughs> like, well, they're just not taking their temperature. They're not doing it right. They need to know when they're ovulating because then there's 26 days a month. 24 days a month that they could have safe sex. No. Ugh, come, are you kidding me, dude? All you have to do is take a pill at the same time every day and none of that. Then you have 30 to 31 days of glorious safe sex. Right. And so how glorious it'll be. Well, you know. <laughs> so it's just weird to me because it's it's not reasonable and it's not realistic i guess is the best word and he has the ability to change the doctrine and to change people's minds and to say listen it's 2015 you know use a condom uh take a a birth control pill everything's going to be fine but no he's just saying you don't need to have sex all the time well here's the deal the problem with the policy isn't that it affects nations that it doesn't matter in because we as americans largely Catholics in America ignore the papal dictate, uh, the prohibition against um, birth control. Where it starts causing problems is in third world countries and underdeveloped countries where there is rampant poverty, where they can't support the kids and it just continues the poverty, where healthcare isn't top notch and they really put themselves in physical danger having so many kids. Right. Like Africa, that's the problem. When you are not allowing birth control and AIDS is killing millions of people because it's, it's just being spread unchecked. Right. And I mean, women, the best way to get women out of poverty is to give them control over their reproductive cycle. Right. And this woman that has four kids, I mean, seven kids, excuse me, um, that's a lot. <laughs> that is a lot. And that's a lot to take care of. More and than six, not quite as many as eight. We don't know what her education is. We don't know what her job is. We don't know if she has a husband. You know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. it's it's very it's very alarming. It's irresponsible of the Catholic Church, and that's putting it very, very mildly. Hopefully going forward, and I'm not crossing my fingers or holding my breath, but um, the Catholic Church will get its collective shit together and step into the modern day with us because the water's warm. It's good. Next up, from pew, pew, pew. Still need We still need to transition. Um, pew Research released some data on public's, the public's perception of President of the United States Barack Hussein Obama. 
and they asked a pretty simple question. What one word best describes Barack Obama? Black. And (laughs) that was not one of the words that people selected. So you would be the only dummy. Have you seen him? He's black. Okay. So they asked this oh, question. African American. They asked this question. <laughs> Jesse's a turd sandwich. They asked this question in April 2009, June 2013, and January 2015 to kind of compare. Now, the most popular response in 2009 was intelligence. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. The most popular response in June 2013 is good. <laughs> And that's the good. S- that's the same for this year, but it was very, very close between good and incompetent. Wow, really? Yeah, two points away from yeah. incompetent being the highest one. So I thought that was interesting. I, I think that's very interesting. And kind of a bummer for Barack Obama. <laughs> well, maybe they just mean he's good at being incompetent. But I mean, there were other hateful ones. There were 12 votes for idiot slash stupid. Oh, so black is a terrible answer, but idiot slash stupid is, is that's on the list? There was 12 for dictator. Apparently, these people uh, have never heard of North Korea. Right. They, I don't think they understand the concept of uh, a dictatorial <laughs> leader. And then there was all these nice people. These nine people said trying slash tries. He's oh. trying. Yeah. Well, I think that's good, too. Yeah, he's trying. Look, I think he's intelligent. I don't think he's incompetent. I just think he has bad ideas. I also like these people. These are just very matter of fact. These eight people said president. <laughs> yes, he is the president. Good job. Male. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So for this Florida file, very interesting story out of, well, obviously Florida. Um, not so, I mean, it's it's funny, but you have to separate because it's also kind of sad. But a teenage boy was just arrested for posing as a doctor, as a gynecologist uh, in a hospital or in a clinic for over a month. Right. This was in West Palm Beach, Florida at St. Mary's Medical Center. So if you live there and you go there and you were there within the past month, maybe you were treated by a teenager. That wasn't Doogie Howser looking at your snooch. That uh, that was a mentally ill teen who was off his medicine. Police were called Tuesday after a patient alerted staff at the medical center's OBGYN office that a juvenile dressed in a lab coat was inside an exam room. The patient said the lab coat had St. Mary's logo on it and anesthesiology stitched on the front. A security guard told police he'd seen the teen around the hospital for a month. Another said the teen entered security areas of the hospitals this week. The teen told police he's been a doctor for years. The teen's mother told police he's under the care of a doctor and is not taking his medicine. So he's obviously has a mental illness. Right. And it's unfortunate, though, that the security guards like, yeah, I've seen this teen walking around in a lab coat that with anesthesiology on it. And he's been in exam rooms and stuff. But, yeah, he's just, you know, hanging out. Bizarre. Well, first of all, it really lets you know that to be a security guard and I'm not denigrating the entire position, but look, a lot of times these are guys who can't be cops and everybody knows what I think generally about guys who want to be cops. Um, you're the bar is just not really set that high. So they're not really processing information at, at the same level as normal human beings. And you know, if they see a young teenager in Dr. Regalia for a month and they don't say anything, that's just, what the hell's going on? Florida? Yeah, it's, it's a little problematic. Get your shit together, Florida. God. Did, did it say in there? Did he did he actually get to, uh, you know, stare at anybody's asshole? It did not say anything about that. Well, maybe he has a, a hope if he was to go into esthetician work. He could, he could be a waxer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's possible. The same kind of role. I mean... Mm, one is slightly more important than the Less other. Less invasive mm-hmm. when you're uh, an esthetician. 
Yes. I, I think. I've never had to see a gynecologist. It's all just a mess. My lady parts are in good working order all the time. Mm. I don't need to see right, a gynecologist. Right. <laughs> so here's a local story. Local for us. Orange County, California, Huntington Beach High School has sent several students home. This is a wonderful thing. Sent several students home because they are unvaccinated. Right. This is an effort to try to minimize the spread of measles, which is currently in a outbreak here in Orange County. Disneyland. Right. Yeah, which is right here. So school administrators say a student with the illness was on campus between January 6th and 8th. And after that, two dozen students, including the one with measles, were sent home. County health officials have asked students to be monitored for signs of measles. None of the students will be welcomed back at Surf City High before January 29th. Little do most people know, I think, maybe that's presumptuous, but a lot of people don't know that Orange County is a very Jesus-centric location. When I tell somebody where I live, usually I just say L.A. because they don't, you know, they, they, they don't know where Orange County is a lot of times, but we're about a half hour outside of Los Angeles, south, and there's a lot of Jesus folk here. TBN, the Trinity Broadcasting Network, is here. Robert Schuler's bankrupt Crystal Cathedral, which the Catholic Church bought, that's here. Rick Warren's Saddleback Church, that's here. There's a lot going on um, with the religious folk. So I say that to say that that those nutters are oftentimes anti-vaccine people because they're conspiracy theorists. Because if you can buy one giant conspiracy of religion, the little conspiracies like anti-vaccination issues, they're easier to swallow. Well, also, Orange County, California is... Well, Southern California, I think, is tremendously influenced by the Hollywood celebrity culture. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah, And, you know, plastic surgery, it's very superficial. It's very appearance-oriented. Very weird. Very and, materialistic. Right. And so the, it's very, very prevalent with rich Hollywood celebrity types to be against vaccinations because they are um, experts in the field of science and, uh, and understand the intricacies of I've read too many books right scientific <laughs> analysis so people like Kristen Cavallari and uh, I've read too many books and Jenny McCarthy have influenced parents unfortunately and and made them believe that vaccines cause autism and all this nonsense and so people really swallow their science from Hollywood right which is very strange that's the wrong place to be getting your information and that's we're we're ground zero for that right here. So it's good to see that the the public school Huntington Beach High School um, is doing the right thing and getting them the hell out. So Business Insider did a really interesting story um, about ten extremely wealthy tech executives who live life very frugally, and I just. It was fat. Brittany and I talked about it a little bit, and I, I really, I found it fascinating. So we wanted to share it with you. So the first one they have is David Cheriton, who is a Stanford professor, and his net worth is three billion. He is the co-founder of Arista Networks, and he became one of the first investors in Google after Larry Page. Hmm. So he, that's where he gets his money. He says that he's actually quite offended by people who are. Who live life ostentatiously. Right. He says these people who build houses with 13 bathrooms and so on, there's something wrong with them. He drives a 1986 Volkswagen Vanagon. Oh, he's a hippie. A dirty, filthy hippie. Has lived in the same Palo Alto home for the past 30 years, cuts his own hair, and even claims to reuse his tea bags. Um... There's a joke there somewhere. Yeah. He he did, however, um, as Business Insider notes, splurge on a Honda Odyssey for his kids back in 2012. Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, good for him. Then they have Charlie Ergen, who is the chairman of Dish Network, and he is worth $16.3 billion. That wow. must be nice. Yeah. Up until about 10 years ago, he insisted on signing every check that came out of Dish Network. <laughs> He packs a lunch of a sandwich and Gatorade before work every day, and until recently, he shared hotel rooms with colleagues during travel. 
He says, my mom grew up in the Depression. I don't have a mahogany desk. Mahogany desk. Yeah, I don't. I think I would live a little higher on the hog than bunking with someone on business trips. I, I just would. Yeah, I think his employees would also look at him like, hey, can't you get your own room? <laughs> it's a little creepy. Hey, dude, quit staring at my asshole. Is is that what he would do? I'm Well, I'm just I'm just reading between the lines. It's a running theme on the show today, so <laughs> Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> so, there's also Tim Cook and Mark Zuckerberg on this list, but they say that they have, you know, 1.9 million dollar homes and stuff. Yeah, but they live I in know San Francisco. I know it's not frug it is there's they still might live frugally, but it's a giant house. Yeah, like Mark Zuckerberg, he he's he does the Einstein thing where he buys like 50 of those stupid gray t-shirts and that's all he wears all the time. Right. Apparently on his Facebook profile, he lists minimalism and eliminating desire among his interests. Ugh. So he Listen, is trying to... There's got to be, like we talk about all the time, there's got to be somewhere in the middle that's oh, the, the better way to do it. Look, I, I can see that having 19 bathrooms in your house is excessive and stupid. But you don't have to just eat a sandwich and a Gatorade every goddamn day if you own, if you have $19 billion in your checking account. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'd be eating a lobster roll every Hell day. Hell yeah. I would, I would buy a food truck company and have them, uh, several of them and have them just rotate outside the office <laughs> on different days. Yeah, a lobster roll a day keeps the doctor away. That's what they say. That rhymed too, by the way. And so did that. Holy shit. I I need to go into rap. No? Are you over there drinking really loudly? Save a mic, Band B page. <laughs> so you can see that that article on the website or on uh, on 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 the the Facebook page and um as well as all these others. Also, 657-464-7609. Call in and let us know. So on a daily basis, 538.com puts together what they call their significant digits for that day. And some of them are, are very, very interesting. And Brittany, she has chosen a few that we are going to just to, to unload on you because they are awesome. Right. So three states. Martin Luther King Jr. Day just passed. But on that same day, it was also Robert E. Lee Day in uh. three states. For those of you who don't know, Robert E. Lee was the he was uh, the main dude general of the Confederate Army um, during the Civil War. So, so it's it's a definite slap in the face to celebrate Robert E. Lee Day on the same day as MLK. Yeah. So, do you want to guess those three states? Um. I would, I don't know. Let's say... Uh, Two are probably the easiest. Let's say Mississippi, Alabama, and Virginia. Mississippi, Alabama, and Arkansas. No, that doesn't surprise me. That's more reasonable than Virginia. But, but it's just... I don't like using this word, but there's no other purpose for this other than offensive. Trying to cause offense. Why would they pick that day? It's, right. It's baffling it baffles me i'm not shocked by mississippi or alabama doing it or even arkansas for that matter it's you know hillbilly central but those states have large black populations it it's weird to me that the black population within those states doesn't rise up and, and let the powers that be know hey unacceptable we're not going to put up with this shit anymore so the next significant digit is 80% of Americans, and this is a survey by Oklahoma State University, and it suggested that 80% of Americans favored, quote, mandatory labels on foods containing DNA. Wait, 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 wait. DNA. Right. Like DNA, like what we have in our bodies, like every living thing on the planet? Right. So that would include... <laughs> Right. Wow. That would include anything derived from plants, grains, fruits or vegetables or animal, so meat what, and dairy or other organisms. What's the warning? What's the label? 
I I don't know. I think they just asked the question if they would favor a mandatory lab- labeling system for foods containing DNA. And so this this article notes, unless your diet is pure refined sugar and salt, there's DNA in your food. Right. Or unless you're eating dirt or rocks. Yeah, I mean there it, I don't understand what's wrong with people, but I think it's just the There's the GMO cra- craze yes. gone insane. That's exactly right. There's a craze. It's everything is listed as gluten free because gluten is this the enemy. Everybody's oh, I can't have gluten, but they don't even know what gluten is. The GMO thing also. Everybody's on the the big no GMO train. It's people are bandwagon weirdos. It's crazy. The asshole of today is actually somebody that might surprise you. Billy Crystal. Comedian Billy Crystal. Right. He said that today's portrayal of LGBT characters is at times gratuitous. He says, quote, sometimes I think uh, that's too much for me. Sometimes it's just pushing it a little too far for my taste. And I'm not going to reveal to you which ones they are. Is he talking about like sex scenes or ro- romantic scenes or just how many gay characters there are in in cinema and on television now? I I have no idea, but he went on to say, I hope people don't abuse it and shove it in our face to the point where uh, it feels like an everyday kind of thing. Being gay is an everyday sort of thing, Billy. That That is how how tone deaf is that? That that's just <laughs> through what lens does he view the world? Because he's not your everyday breadbasket kind of guy. He's a New York City, you know. He's a man of the world, and and Hollywood. He played one of the earliest depictions of a very out homosexual on TV in the seventies. Yeah, I. It's also weird to me that he would say this at all because just knowing that there's going to be backlash well, i mean also, if, even if you feel that way you're billy crystal you probably shouldn't say that using the words throw it in our face is he is he going to sign up for the tea party next I mean, what's going on with this guy i don't know that is that is he's definitely the asshole of today yes he that might is true. he might even be the asshole of tomorrow Depending on which way the the wind blows and how this thing shakes out. We should start doing an asshole of the year and review (laughs) all of our asshole of today's. Yeah. And choose the year winner. That is a good idea. I'm a genius. You're full of good ideas. I think we're going to leave it there, though. What do you think? Perfect. Good to go. So this has been episode 91 Listen, if you want to support the show other than listening twice a week, you can go to uh, dollamore.com. I almost forgot the website. dollamore.com, and up in the top right-hand corner, there's a link that says support the show. There you will find our Amazon search bar. If you want to buy books by Billy Crystal (laughs) or any other item that they sell, which is pretty much anything. Or a... Modern Family entire DVD series. You can watch gay weddings and all kinds of fun gay oh, stuff yeah, that yeah. Billy Crystal would hate. Yeah, because they're throwing it in his face. So you can do that there as well. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. It's a bright light right on the badge that's completely exposed. <laughs>